Welcome to the Maranatha Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this class from our Equip Ministry will be a blessing to you and will grow your love for Jesus Christ. We would encourage you to use it only as a supplement to your regular intake of God's Word in your local church. If you need help connecting with a local church, please reach out to us on our website, mbcgrimes.org. So the last few weeks, uh, we've been thinking specifically about um, some of the ways we see fear of man uh, manifest in our lives. And uh, we've kind of categorized these fears into three main things. The last two weeks, we've looked at two of them. I wonder if anybody can remember. We fear man because we fear exposure. There was one that was two weeks ago. Good. We fear man because we fear rejection. I heard it. Yeah, somebody whispered it. Good. Good. Uh, and then tonight we're going to we fear man because we fear harm. Um, and so that's where there's some degree of personal risk. This person could hurt me. And, uh, you know, the majority of that category might be where we would think of physical harm. Uh, but there are other ways to be harmed by somebody as well. So it's not merely physical harm. Uh, that may be the, the one that comes to mind most often. But uh, why do we fear man? We fear harm. We fear being harmed. So in um, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, um, you'll notice these words from the Lord Jesus Christ. He says this, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So one more time. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So here's my question as we uh, get started. Is it okay to fear being harmed? Is it okay to fear being harmed? What are your thoughts? We can create a little discussion here as we get going. Somebody give us an opinion or take Donna. If we're in danger, it's, it's a good thing, Donna says. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. What else? Other thoughts? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Okay, so Kate's referring to our sense of self-preservation, right? That's the, you know, you're you go to rest your hand on the counter and realize it's a hot burner, and oh, wow, you know, right? So we God given us pain receptors, so we can. Yeah, yeah. Right, good. Okay, so self-preservation. All right, what else? What other thoughts? Is it okay to fear being harmed? Okay, okay, so if, if our minds are just kind of gripped by it or going to it without going anywhere else first, or you, how'd you say it, Pre, precursors? Yeah, or, yeah. something that's, you know, we're, we're just 
Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 good. So kind of uh, just imagining the, the worst outcomes that could happen and fearing those things, that, that kind of begins to fall into the category of anxiety, right? Yeah, yeah, good observation. What else? Yeah, good. So Paul, on his way to Jerusalem, was he afraid? Yeah. Jim? One of the words you kind of think about when you talk about this is I think that problem of fear man because of the unforgiving story. Mm -hmm. And if I go to work for God, I'm pretty, pretty predictable. Mm -hmm. Not I always enjoy that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but man is very unpredictable. Uh-huh. Yeah, so people are inconsistent. They might fail us. They might lash out in some way that we're not expecting. Good. Okay. Good. Well, we got you thinking. Yeah, a couple more. Yeah. Interesting. Like when when I first heard fear, like I thought like physical harm. Uh huh. But it really could be any kind of emotional, like mm -hmm. kind of harm. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Doesn't have to just be physical. Did you have a comment as well? Yeah. 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 Right. Good. Excellent. Yeah. So there's kind of, he, he brought in the concept of ditches, right? And so I think he's right. I think there's kind of a middle ground here where we can find, use the wisdom of scripture to find that, you know, there's a role for, for wisdom, being careful, you know, thinking safely about things. Um, at the same time, we don't need to just be gripped by fear of death or fear of harm because, uh, because we know so many wonderful truths about our God that, that hold us, you know, through those things as well. So uh, one of the goals of tonight's lesson is that you come away with just a clear answer in your head to that question um, and how, how you might answer that uh, to think through how, how do we handle the fears of danger. And, you know, it would be completely unbiblical for, for somebody to welcome harm, to want to be harmed, right? I mean, that's just backwards. That's uh, not at all how God designed the world to work. Um, and so that, you know, it's just clear that one off the table to begin with. We should never want harm to happen to us. And so there's a sense in which it's right to um, have, have a uh, distaste or a dislike um, to avoid harm. 
uh, I think a question that's going to be helpful for us is what rules us, what ultimately dictates our actions. And um, that's where, coming back to the verse I read to you, which uh, Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So there again, it's distinguishing between God and his power and man and his power, and man's power is limited. And so what Jesus is ultimately saying, when it comes to a decision between men and God, we fear God because he's the one with all power, all might. And so I think that becomes a helpful scenario for us, that fear of God always needs to win out over fear of man. Now, if in, in serving and pleasing God there are ways that I can avoid harm, great. <laughs> but if there's ever some scenario where under threat of, you know, death, um, you know, renounce Christ or whatever, well, I'd probably fail that anyway. But I could <laughs> fear God and say, you know, I, I trust, I, I'm going to obey the one who has more power than you. Um, and so I think that's kind of where Jesus' words take us there. Is that yeah? There, there is you know a degree of power that men have. They could even kill a person, but ultimately, God, fear of God has to be the greatest, the, the the highest one in our lives that always wins out. Um, and so it, it it leads us to that question: What's ruling me? What's directing my decisions? Um, and is there a case where I would disobey God in order to avoid harm? There might, be case, there might be cases where to obey God, I need to risk being harmed. I'm at risk uh, even, you know, as Jesus commands his disciples, uh, that they love one another the way he did by laying down their lives, right? And so there's a sense in which there's a, there's a willingness to be harmed for the sake of the gospel if necessary. Not that we would ever seek that out. Uh, but if that's, you know, what God has for us. So anyway, we'll, we'll break it down a little bit further, but it gets our, it gets our brains uh, thinking a little bit along these lines and uh, how we handle harm and so forth. Um, another helpful thought is to remember that harm, uh, danger, uh, is, is a part of the fall. It's not the way God designed the good world, right? Um, this, this all came after the fall. It's, it's the result of sin, uh, and so it is a real, it is, is it a bad thing? It's not something we should desire. It's not something we should, you know, just happily walk into. Um, harm is a result of the, the fall. And it, it wasn't a part of uh, God's creation from the beginning. Uh, and that, you know, we can go all the way back to Cain killing his brother Abel uh, in Genesis 3, where that harm really began to show itself in Scripture. Um, so here, here's some ways we can begin to think of this. Uh, first of all, is it okay to fear being harmed? Well, to honor God, it's right for us to pursue safety and security. So again, if we keep fear of God at the top, there's actually it's actually right to pursue safety and security. Um, you know, we're told in uh, Romans chapter 13 or. First um, Peter chapter 5, that, that God has given government, part of the reason God has given government is to provide protection, to give safety to those who are doing what is right and to stop those who are doing evil. And so it reflects God's design 
safety, security is a good thing and is a fine thing to pursue um, under God's rule, right? So we're doing it as a, as a means of pleasing the Father, uh, not as a means of running from the Father. And so to honor God, we pursue safety and security. That's, that's a good thing. And there's any number of practical ways we could apply this. Some examples are already uh, given. You know, it's, not, it, it's actually a good thing to wear a seatbelt, right? Or to be careful uh, what neighborhood you walk in after dark. Um, uh, there's a reason that we have a uh, child worker policy here at our church, right? We want to keep our kids safe. Um, it's right for a husband and or father to be concerned about his wife and children um, and to keep their home safe, right? These are all things that reflect God's character, and we honor him as we pursue them. The key is that we don't worship safety and security as separate entities, but actually just as means of seeking to please the Father. And there may be times when God asks us in walking according to his will to lay down that safety and security for the sake of the gospel. So uh, that's another helpful idea there. A desire to avoid harm should not rule us, should not rule us. Right, Lucas? Yeah. (laughs) He's very agreeable tonight. I love that. Uh, So this desire to avoid harm should not rule us. I, I just, I love the example of the Lord Jesus Christ the night before his crucifixion. Um, because he so reflects the Father's character in that moment. I mean, he's God the Son, so we shouldn't be surprised. But he does two things simultaneously. He shows right disdain and no desire for the harm that's about to come upon him. I mean, it'd be awful if he did want (laughs) to go to the cross. And so you hear him express to the Father, if this cup, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, let's do that, you know. And so it's right of him to not want that harm to come upon him. That, I think, reflects the Father's nature. But then at the same time, he says, not my will, but your will be done. Uh, And so Jesus has a rightly ordered sense of fear of harm, where he doesn't want the harm, (laughs) doesn't want to have to feel all of that. At the same time, he's submitted to a greater authority to his Father's will and is ready to walk through that. Um, as needed. And of course, we're glad that he did. He provided salvation that way for us. So desire to avoid harm should not rule us. And then third, we fear God and trust him through times of physical harm. Scripture is very clear about this one. Uh, the book of First Peter, it could be just, we could spend the whole evening in First Peter. He's, he's writing to believers who are suffering for the name of Christ. And uh, he he encourages them over and over and over again, trust the Lord, keep doing what's right. Uh, We'll look at a couple references from from 1 Peter tonight. But, uh, you know, we we should not be surprised if a fiery trial comes upon us. And again, in 1 Peter, that's where that quotation is from. It's referring to probably physical persecution for being Christians. Um, And so, you know, there are places where, yeah, we, we ought to pursue safety and security, but at the same time, not to be surprised if in this world, in this life, God allows us to face some kind of harm for the sake of his name. Uh, that is part of living in a fallen world and a part of what we saw happen to Christ. 
the terminology that the Apostle Paul uses that I really like is he, he, he rejoices in the opportunity to fellowship in the sufferings of Christ. <laughs> I, I don't think I ever would have written that. <laughs> but Paul rejoices. A number of times he does this in his letters. He talks about rejoicing that he gets to partake in the sufferings of Christ. And he's referring to those times when, because he's a Christian, because he's preaching the gospel, uh, he suffers. And he actually gets to fellowship with Christ. He gets to a taste of what Christ went through for him on the cross. Um, I, I, I don't know that, you know, I'm there yet. Um, but there is such a thing. And God may call us to that, um, to, to fellowship in the sufferings of Christ as we bear his name on the earth. So we fear God and trust him through times of physical harm. Any questions on those three uh, initial ideas there or, or further comments before I move on. All right, I'm going to move quickly through the next section because it's somewhat self-explanatory, but this again just gets our minds thinking about the kinds of physical harm uh, that we could face. This could be um, physical abuse in a family uh, sadly, this is widespread. Uh, it's possible that some of you face that in your own um, childhood years or growing up years. Uh, and this is, um, again, part of our fallen world. Sadly, uh, it's common that there's been some kind of abuse in a family. Exploitation. And there's a number of things that go along with that. Uh, there's, yeah, again... Uh, Sexual harassment, sexual abuse, uh, even you could get into sex trafficking, um, a lot of things that, go, uh, that are focused on that um, category, that sexual category. Uh, on a simpler level, but again, all too common, bullying. It's common in schools a lot of times, and even in, still in the adult's workplace, it can still be really common to have bullying uh, in, in different ways. Um, Combat is another one where people submit themselves to the possibility of harm. And uh, we have a number in our church who have served in the military and faced combat, uh, faced physical harm. Persecution is not one that we face much in our country, but uh, is real and is really happening in the world. I had lunch today with our missionary to India, Henry John, and uh, they, uh, their ministry has their ministry hub for many years has been in a state that now has anti-conversion laws, and so he has pastor friends that have been arrested and, and thrown in jail for uh, for sharing the gospel. So persecution is a real thing; uh, it exists and it's happening. Terrorism, right? So uh, we have experienced this in the United States and seen it around the world as well. There can be fear of those random terror events that could happen, you know. Um, and then racism is another one uh, that's uh, particularly, um, boy, what's the word I'm looking for? It's going on in our country right now is what I'm trying to say. Uh, we see just about every day there's another news story with something related to um, ethnic uh, challenges, struggles, hatred, you name it, um, across different lines and things that are happening with that. 
Types of non-physical harm, uh, hurtful speech, so that's one that can come up, and that's where um, the old adage, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me, you know, that's not true at all, uh, obviously, right? Uh, We only say that to try to (laughs) pretend like we weren't hurt by what was just said. Um, But uh, words are hurtful, and we feel them, and uh, that's a real type of hurt and harm. If you're not sure about that one, just read James chapter 3 and review the power of the tongue. Uh, Our words are powerful, and uh, we can uh, burn things to the ground with them. Another type would be uh, sexual harassment, which uh, doesn't have to involve, so this is, we're thinking of the non-physical side of that. There are all sorts of uh, ways that that can be present verbally, other ways in, in uh, the workplace and so forth, or other situations. It doesn't have to always be physical. Um, yeah, and I'm sure there are others um, having to do with just emotional, different relationship things that go on. Um, but yeah. So as we get into this tonight, I just do want to, I want to be clear about something um, uh, as we as we think about you know God's will and and, and serving the Lord, I, I just I don't want anybody to come away from tonight thinking that if you are in a harmful situation, that it is also God's will that you stay in that harmful situation. That is not a conclusion that anyone should draw from tonight's lesson. Okay, um, so again from the outset, I want to be clear: harm is not the way God created the world. It's not pleasing to him. It's part of the fall. It's sin. It should not be happening. God has allowed it to happen as a result of our sin. Uh, And there are times that doing the will of God may involve us facing harm for the sake of Christ. Um, But those tend to be rare. And if you are in a scenario where there is some kind of abuse or harm going on, Usually, I, and I, like, like, you know, 100% of the time almost, the Lord would be pleased uh, for you to find a way out of that. And um, I, please come talk to me or one of the other pastors if you're in need of help or in a scenario like that. Um, harm is not pleasing to the Lord. And so the, the point of the lesson is not, well, if you find yourself in harm, just, just buck up and press on and do God's will. A lot of times there's a God-honoring solution to avoid that harm and to, to get to safety. So I, I also want to be clear about that as we press on in tonight's lesson, okay? So if you have any questions about that, please let me know. If you'd like to talk further about how you can find help, please let me know. All right, so there's a number of ways that harm can shape our lives. Um, first of all, we can, we can be left feeling paralyzed. This happens often if something uh, has happened in the past, right? I did something and it really hurt. <laughs> I'm not going to try that again. Uh, remember the first time I went water skiing, uh, I was just a young guy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it didn't work out, let's just say. My legs kind of went apart and I went under and water went like up my nose. And, you know, it was just this like, I came up coughing and all this. I was like, all right, let's give it another shot. I was like, I don't think I want to give it another shot. Let me take a break. You know, this was not fun at all. Eventually I was able to get up and all that. But, you know, you do something that hurts, that doesn't feel good. 
there's really no desire to go back and do it again. And so there can be this sense of paralyzation. Sometimes we feel stuck um, because we don't want to face some sort of pain or there's just even the potential of that. It can keep us from taking the next step. Another thing is we can develop a victim identity. It's a, a temptation to place blame uh, for all future difficulties on, on past experiences. Uh, and so being a victim can kind of become your identity. And everything that happens to you is sort of read through that lens. It's everyone against me. Um, yeah, and, and, and real instances of harm from a past can sort of be superimposed upon everything that happens in the future. Um, and so that's, that's one of the things that, that can come out as a result of, of harm. On the opposite end of that spectrum is the this is my fault mentality. Uh, those who have been abused or have been harmed can, can sometimes give into thinking that it's their fault. If they, had, if they had been different, if they had been better, if they had handled it differently. Um, or, you know, they can pinpoint, I, I guess I deserved it, right? And so then there's just this very um, self-lowering, uh, deprecating, I think is the word, uh, just sense of self. Um, that's just not the truth, all right? So if, I also want to make that clear tonight, if you've ever thought, I deserved the hurt that I received from others because I'm a bad person or because God is angry with me, it's not true. It's not true. Um, We do deserve death for our sin, that's true. Uh, But God is not punishing you through somebody else. God gave his punishment to Jesus, and it's paid in full, okay? So don't believe the lie. There is no evil in God's wrath. wrath. There is no injustice in God's wrath, and so acts of evil and injustice are, are not from him, right? So again, don't believe those lies. It's not your fault. Uh, another Another way that this can uh, show itself is uh, self-pity. It would be much easier for me to trust the Lord if I hadn't experienced this. I can never change from fearing man in this way. It's just the way I am. I'm really a worse sinner than others, I guess. Um, And so there's just kind of just hopelessness that can come along with it. Um, that my, my situation is kind of worse than everybody else's. This is similar to the victim mental, mentality, but um, uh, it leads to sort of a, of a hopelessness about, about change. Um, what it does is it, it actually is a form of self-centeredness, and it, it, it makes issues and problems all about me and uh, what's happened to me can also lead towards a distrust of others. A person struggling with fear of man, specifically fear of harm, uh, will, will struggle to trust others. Um, once trust has been broken you know, by one or two individuals, once or twice, uh, the temptation then becomes to just stop trusting. And then a pattern can develop where 
Anytime somebody does something hurtful at any level, right, which, which if we're honest, um, we've all, probably, I, I shouldn't say, I have said hurtful things to people, right? So I have hurt somebody else. Um, the likelihood is that you have to at some point, okay? We're, we're sinners. It's what sin does. It's not okay. But what happens with this pattern, with this distrust towards others, is any time something hurtful happens, it's this, like, complete cut, cut them off and step back. And so there's just, just removal from anybody who might hurt me. Um, so, yeah, that that's, it's, becomes an overreaction uh, to any kind of harm or hurt. Uh, and then another one is bitterness. And this develops in a number of ways, but um, some, sometimes the hurt, the harm itself, was really big. And, and it, so it's just difficult for that person to forgive um, or, or to even think of moving towards some kind of forgiveness, right? And so they just hold on to that huge hurt. Other times bitterness can develop. Uh, maybe the hurt wasn't huge to begin with, but... Um, as they dwell on it, it kind of grows in their own thinking. Uh, it's, like, it's like our fish stories, you know? The first time you tell it, the fish was this big. The last time you tell it, the fish was this big, right? And so bitterness can do this as well, uh, where maybe the hurt initially wasn't that big, but the more we let it simmer, the more we, you know, chew on it, it kind of grows in our thinking, and all of a sudden it's this massive thing, um, yeah, that, the root of bitterness that grows in us is what that is. Any other examples that you can think of, of the ways that fear of harm uh, can, can kind of manifest itself in some of these patterns in our lives? Yes. Yep. Putting up walls. That's a great metaphor uh, to, to, you know, maybe initially telling ourselves it's just to, to be safe, to be protected, but end up, we end up isolating ourselves. Yeah. Good. Other ideas? Yeah. Yeah, fear of trying. Mm-hmm. So what could happen, how they might respond. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. All right, let's continue on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the harmful person, the one who is committing the harm. Uh, the first thing that's helpful to remember is that their problem is not you, okay? It doesn't mean, you know, you're sinless or that you didn't do anything wrong. Um, but, again, this goes back to that um, this is my fault mentality that we mentioned earlier. It's actually a, a form of self-centeredness. We make it about us. But the person who's committing harm, it's not about you. You are actually not the problem, they are likely also controlled by some fear of man. 
uh, that some, something they're trying to avoid themselves, some way they're trying to take control instead of submitting to God. Um, they probably see their sin as small. Uh, they may be blind to the ways that they're committing those things. And uh, it's, the problem is their sin, not you. Secondly, it helps to remember they need the gospel, not our fear of them. Sometimes we think the way to solve harmful people, to solve the problem, is just to kind of acquiesce, to kind of appease them, just give them what they want, and then we'll keep everything peaceful. Uh, but that's not ultimately a solution. Now, there are, there are wise ways we can de-escalate tense situations, okay? So there's, there can be wisdom in that, but at least this should not be a pattern where I see the solution as just always appeasing them. Uh, instead, what they need is the gospel truth. This, again, is the solution in these scenarios. They need help uh, to see their sin and to turn to Jesus. Another thing that's helpful to remember is that we are harmful people to varying degrees. Uh, if we have sinned against God, which we probably have, in a lot of our scenarios when we sin against God, we, we hurt people around us. A lot of the sins that we commit are uh, relational sins. So harsh words, or we've lied to somebody, or you know, gossip, uh, hold, withholding forgiveness. Um, I mean, just any number of ways that we can hurt people around us. Uh, pride, by its very nature, puts others down, right? So it's just it's what sin does. And so um, I'm not saying that those who have patterns of harming others are to be excused, but sometimes it's helpful to remember that we all have some of those tendencies in our own hearts and we have, we have harmed people as well. It also reminds us to look to Christ. Um, he has taken our harm, right? Isaiah 53 uh, is, is just such a beautiful description of what he did when he went to the cross. Uh, he was bruised for our iniquities, right? He literally felt our harm. He took it. And uh, it's just a, a precious reminder in the midst of a world full of harm to look to a Savior who provides the solution. Uh, what if I am the one harming others? <laughs> Well, stop, repent. <laughs> uh, whether it's verbal or physical abuse, whether it's bitterness that you're holding on to, uh, whether it's any number of things, um, there is help in the name of our Savior. And uh, His grace is sufficient to help you say no to sin and to say yes to Him, to stop. He has given a body of believers who are ready to walk alongside you and help you change patterns of behavior uh, and find gracious, God-honoring ways of interacting with others. So if you have found that you're in this place where you tend to hurt and harm those around you, uh, again, please reach out for help. Uh, 
the Lord uh, is ready to help you. All right, really briefly, we're going to look through some examples in Scripture. I I should have left these blanks so you could try to guess what they are. Uh, They're kind of fun. We'll go through these fast, and then if you can think of any others, I'd be super curious too. So some negative examples. Um, we mentioned Abraham a couple weeks ago, I think, uh, but he, he, he was afraid that um, Pharaoh would kill him, right? So that's a fear of physical harm. And so he lied about his wife in order to avoid uh, that potential harm. And that one, was, that one was made up. You know, the, Pharaoh hadn't even threatened anything. That was just Abraham's imagination going wild there. The Israelites in uh, Numbers 13, as they approached Canaan, remember they, they sent the spies in. And uh, the, the men of Canaan were giants, right? And they were like little grasshoppers, you know. Um, fear of just being completely annihilated by these mighty people. Uh, Peter is another example, both negatively and positively, and we've mentioned him as well. Uh, there, as Jesus was headed to the cross, um, we're not told explicitly, but the, the sense is pretty clear if they're, if they're killing Jesus, what are they going to do to those who acknowledge that they're his disciples? And so um, Peter, you know, says, no, I don't, I don't know him. But then in 1 Peter 3, uh, he talks about suffering for the sake of Christ. 1 Peter three thirteen through 15, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts regard Christ as Lord. That's Peter. All right, some positive examples. Joshua was one of the spies. Caleb, the other one, who brought back the good report with confidence that God would give them the victory. Esther is certainly a positive example of courage. Uh, We can't say for sure that she was trusting the Lord. The scripture doesn't tell us. Uh, She at least heeded the advice of her cousin Mordecai. But um, anyway, she she took great courage to uh, try to save her people. Daniel and his friends, of course, did not uh, bow to the, uh, the idol. And then Daniel in the lion's den... Two good examples. Uh, David, uh, a number of examples through his life of trusting the Lord over physical harm, right? Uh, David and Goliath is a fun example. Uh, Just just walks out to the the battlefield against this massive opponent, and hey, the Lord will win the victory. All right, David. (laughs) And he was right. Paul, all right, we've been watching Paul's life in the book of Acts. Hebrews 11 is a lot about this very thing. Those who were willing to suffer, willing even to lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel. And we're not even given all the names of those. Uh, There's some interesting verses, but uh, there's a point at which it talks to those who suffered uh, incredible suffering and death for the sake of the gospel, and they're called those of whom the world is not worthy. Isn't that an interesting, interesting phrase? Uh, but so fixed on Christ, ready to suffer harm for the sake of his name. Uh, that's a fun one to study. And then Jesus, of course, and we already referenced him 
willing to go to the cross uh, for the, to provide our salvation, to, to be obedient to the Father's will. All right. There are a couple ways uh, that we can respond to this fear of harm. Uh, and so there are common cultural perspectives that I want to mention tonight because we want to avoid these. The first is victimization. Um, and this is where uh, a person just continues to be gripped by fear of man and they feel that they're in the right for, for living this way. Um, how could I ever trust again after what my father did to me? How could I ever trust that group of people after what they did to me? Um, how, how should I not be paralyzed from living a normal life after what happened uh, in, my, in my childhood? So, again, it's taking what happened in the past and then using that as um, a, kind of a right to live a certain way based on something that happened in the past. The other end of the spectrum is stoicism, which is to just kind of like, don't let, you know, just, I, I can't be harmed. It's to kind of just pretend that there's this, you know, I am like, I'm, I'm just, I'm a rock or I'm Superman or, you know, whatever. It's, it's the sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me, right? That's just, that's stoicism. That's just like this, I'm going to buck up and nothing can ever hurt me, you know, and what you're doing is you're just kind of suppressing the fact that you are actually really hurting uh, from what happened. Um, so neither one is really, one's, one's kind of an overemphasis on the harm, and one is a, kind of an underemphasis on the harm. The gospel offers us a better way of moving forward, um, and so we're going to think through the gospel perspective We begin by recognizing that uh, the worst harm has already been experienced by the Lord Jesus Christ. In his atoning death, he suffered for sins that he did not commit, uh, and in fact, sins that I committed. Um, in giving his life, he didn't fear the imminent physical harm uh, from those he created, but he trusted and feared his Father, and First uh, Peter Chapter 2 is a neat passage about that. We'll, we'll read that in just a second here. So, so again, we look to Christ and see his example. Um, as we cause harm, we turn to Christ, we repent of our sins and trust in him, uh, recognizing that it was my sin that caused his death. This helps me to both find his forgiveness and it prepares me to offer forgiveness to somebody else who has caused harm for me. So remembering the payment of Christ. Um, it doesn't mean that we all have committed the exact same sins or the same amount of sin, uh, but it does mean that we're all sinners and we all need Jesus. And that is helpful when processing harm that has happened. Recognizing that as we follow Christ, we may face suffering, that helps us to process it the right way. Again, like Peter says, we don't have to be surprised by it or alarmed by it as part of a fallen world. Um, and then the gospel has also brought us into a new family, the church, where we find help, we find encouragement, we find brothers and sisters who have also faced harm and can help us process it, who can 
uh, love us and care for us as we walk through times of harm. So God has given us a beautiful family here uh, to help us in those times when we may face harm as well. All right, I want to close by thinking on a, on a very practical level of how the gospel helps us. So we'll take kind of three main categories we've mentioned tonight. You see them there in your notes. Physical abuse, verbal assaults, and racism. So let's walk down through these. And we have a bunch of scripture passages that uh, I'd like to hand out right now. Uh, I had all of them out right now. And if you can remember which one I gave to you, then uh, we'll come back and read them as we work down through these. So be ready to volunteer. Who would take Hebrews 13, 5, and 6? Okay, Kurt. First uh, Peter 1, 6, and 7. Tony, thank you. Uh, Romans 8, 35 through 37. Jennifer, thank you. Uh, Romans 8, 17. Okay, Tanner. Uh, Philippians 3, 10. Ethan? Romans 12, 14. Jim, thank you. Uh, I'll do the Luke one. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23. Amy, thank you. And, oh, two more. Uh, Colossians 3, 9 through 11. Ooh, uh, Janessa? Yes. Uh, Romans 15, 7. Terry, thank you. Uh, that's all of them. All right, very good. So, back to the beginning. Hebrews 13, 5, and 6. I have no idea. Oh, yeah, Kurt. <laughs> All right. So the last, those last few phrases that are rich. Say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, I will not fear. What can man do to me? So the Lord will ultimately protect his children. Oops, there it is. The, the Lord will ultimately protect his children. He holds us fast. Now, I have to remember, that does not mean that, he, you know, that we won't die, right? But he will ultimately not let us come to harm. And so he holds us even through death. Uh, so, you know, we, we, it's, it's different thinking for us. We think of death as harm itself, but Jesus changed all of that. There's an eternity after death. And so God holds us through, through all of that, um, which is super encouraging. First uh, Peter 1, 6, and 7, Tony. Right. So this is another passage that reminds us that God uses suffering for good. You know, we often go to like Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. This one's talking specifically about trials. And there's a phrase in verse 6, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. So God only allows those trials that are needed, that are helpful, that are necessary in our lives. 
And then we have in verse 7 a clear example of one good thing that God is always doing in our trials. And he's, he's growing our faith, which will result in praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we can always get excited about that um, that's coming. That's, it's at least one good thing that's always happening in the midst of our trials. So God uses suffering for good. Romans 8, 35 through 37. Jennifer. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if you ever noticed, but that right, right there packed into that section, we think of that as one of the great sections on God's love. There's those three verses in there that sometimes we want to skip, you know, it's like, what What is happening in these verses? But they're actually all about the kinds of persecution that believers might face. Peril, sword, nakedness. I mean, there's just all sorts of awful uh, things. And, and, Paul lists those because even those things cannot separate us from the love of God. We're still loved even through those things, um, which is super encouraging. So physical harm cannot separate us from God's love. Um, Nothing happens to us but what is allowed by God's love. Okay, Romans 8, 17 Okay, so in the context of that section that he read, it's talking about our union with Christ and the, how the Spirit proves that we're united with Christ. And we're actually called in that verse, heirs with Christ. But one of the things we inherit with Christ is also his sufferings. We follow the path of Christ. And so we fellowship in his sufferings and we rise with him as well into his glory. So, you know, it, it's helpful to remember that uh, we can fellowship with him in suffering. I'm on the same path that my Savior was on. Uh, oh, I forgot about Philippians 3.10. Who had that? It's a similar idea. Ethan. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and the fullness of his death. Okay, so again, Paul is wanting to connect with Christ in all three of those things, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. And uh, I've heard that described as the J, the J curve before. Suffering, death, resurrection. That's the path of the Christian life. It's the path Christ took, and it's the path that we're on as well. Um, and there's a, there's a fellowship with Christ in that. Okay, Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. All right. Uh, even those who persecute us, we can forgive and show love to, right? Romans 12 is all about those ways of showing genuine love. We can forgive and love those who've harmed us because Christ has already done this for each of us. He empowers us to forgive and love even those who would persecute us. All right, let's go on to the next one, verbal assaults and some of the ways that Scripture helps us here. Luke chapter 23 Reminds us that Christ endured physical harm and cruel insults. We don't think about the cruel insults as much because of the physical harm that he went through. Um, but Luke highlights the cruel insults. And as I read these verses, what I, wanted, what I want you to notice is that the insults start with the highest, the rulers. And by the end, it's even the criminal on the cross next to him that's insulting him. So like there's this... There's this uh, um, 
escalating of the insults. It goes from, you know, rulers, which you might expect because they're high up, but by the end, even the criminals are mocking him. So, okay, just... The people stood uh, looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. So uh, every category of people there around the cross was mocking him. Uh, if you're the Christ, save yourself. I mean, how hard? I, you know, I couldn't have saved myself anyway, but he could. <laughs> how hard would it have been uh, to face that kind of mocking? So, so Jesus understands uh, the insults of others. He's been there. Uh, who had the first Peter 2, 21 through 23? Amy. Yeah, so we're given this example from Christ. Uh, he did not respond with counter-assaults. He trusted the Lord. He did not revile in return. And then thirdly in this one, we love and serve others regardless of how we fear they may take advantage of our love. And again, this, this is part of what gospel love does Love is sacrificial, and so there's a sense in which the person we're giving the love to, you know, maybe doesn't fully deserve it. Uh, They might take advantage of it. You know, love is vulnerable, right? We're putting ourselves out there in some way, Uh, and so there just is some risk built into love, and uh, we have to understand that. Uh, and then the last one, we have uh, Colossians 3, 9 through 11, and Romans 15, 7. Scythian. All right, so uh, Colossians 3 is a reminder of our new identity in Christ. And in the church, uh, he's our identity point, not our ethnicity, not our social status, um, not our background. So uh, here's how we've put that one. Within the body of Christ, we get the opportunity to demonstrate that our fear of those, oops, sorry, there it is. Our fear of those visibly different from us has been removed whether that's skin color, whether that's just cultural differences, whether that's social status, finances, uh, jobs, whatever, backgrounds. Um, you know, it's all, it all kind of disappears in Christ, which is a beautiful thing about the church. And Romans fifteen seven, who had that one? Yeah, so we looked at this one in our growth groups this last week. Receive one another, welcome one another, just as Christ has received you and welcomed you. Um, And so we can show that love. 
And in the context, that's for Jews and Gentiles. So across ethnic boundaries, uh, the Apostle Paul's telling them to receive one another. So here's our conclusion for tonight. In utter respect for God, we ought to avoid harm and pursue peace in accordance with His will. We must not let fear of harm keep us from doing His will, and we must walk through any suffering He allows by faith, aiming to imitate Jesus. Any further questions or comments as we conclude tonight? Okay, we'll go ahead and uh, divide into your prayer groups. And when you're done, you are dismissed. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit our website, mbcgrimes.org. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and to God be the glory.